morning, guys. Hace frío, no? Un poquito. A little chilly. Really exciting uh, news today because we start a new series, and every time we open God's Word, we get excited, I hope. So without any further ado, go ahead and open up your Bibles. We are starting a new series on the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to begin in chapter 1, verse 1. Let me just say this, and I, I want to say this often. Bring a Bible. It would be good for you guys to bring your own Bible. And why? So you can take notes, so you can underline. Maybe you have some questions you can ask us later. And it's always good to see God's Word for yourself. That way you get a little more uh, used to knowing where the books are in the Bible. Anyways, if you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'll get you one absolutely free. Deal? If you don't have a Bible with you now, you can grab one underneath the chair. I am going to have all the verses on the screen behind me. So let's begin. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 1 says this. The words of the preacher... The son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does a man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth, he says, remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and it hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north, around and around goes the wind. On its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after you know, in my garage, I have a, a jar that is full of marbles. And I got this idea from a pastor that I heard on a, on a podcast that I was listening to. And what the marbles represent in my jar is the number of months that I have left to live in this life. So what I did, I think it was about four years ago. Yeah, I was 26. Yeah, four years ago, what I did is I calculated my age then till about the age of 88. I figured 88 is a good life if I get any extra years or bonus, right? So every marble in that jar represents a month until I turn 88. And every first of the month, I just did it this week, I grab a marble. I take a selfie. I don't know. They can use it at my funeral see how my, I've changed. Bear with me, okay? But I grab that marble for an instance, for a moment, and I look back at the month prior. And I reflect, what did I do different? Is there something I could have done different? Are there any regrets in my life? Because my life is short here on earth. And then I start reflecting, you know what? The past month, there was really nothing different. There was really nothing new. 
And I sit there and I say to myself, everything was pretty much the same as it was the month before and the month before. My life, if I look at it, is pretty routine. And there's nothing wrong with that. But isn't it the truth of all our lives? Now think about it for just a moment. What do we do day after day normally? We get up, we go to work, we go to sleep, and then we do it over and over again. Our life is monotonous. Yeah, we have the weekend and that changes a little bit. But overall, isn't our life pretty the same, routine? Nothing changes. Nothing really is new. And then I go a step deeper and I ask myself, what do I do the things I do? Why do I continue to do the things I do? Ask yourself for a moment. Think about this. What is the purpose of our life? Some of us try to eat healthy. We work out. We try to not get sick. But that yet... Some of us end up with cancer and we look back and say, why did I take care of myself so much for this? We work hard, we put hours into our job, we stay away from home, trying to be successful, and we rarely get any raises. And you know what? Sometimes even worse, we get fired. And we look back and say, why? Why did I do all of this? We spend our hours with our children. We love them unconditionally. We give them everything we never had. And yet, they dishonor us. They don't respect us. They don't love us. We give our lives to our spouse. We love them with all we can. And then one day, we get home and they say, I'm done. I want a divorce. What's the purpose? Why? Why do we do all these things? For what? And that is what the author says in these verses we just read. For what? Because all, everything is vanity. Are you guys in a good mood now? <laughs> and see, what we're going to see as we begin this book of Ecclesiastes. And what my heart prays for and what the author is going to show us is that we need to change our perspective. We need to really see what is valuable in this earth and what is not. I love the way one pastor summarizes this. This is what George Bernan says about the overarching theme of this book we're getting into. He says this, in order to be prepared to hope in what does not deceive, we must first lose hope in everything that deceives. Let me repeat that. In order to be prepared to hope in what does not deceive, the first thing we need to do is lose hope in everything that deceives. We need to change our mind. We need to change our perspective. We need to change our purpose. Because if we don't, if we're living life chasing after things that are temporary, all is vanity. So let's go back and let's go verse by verse to see really what the author is trying to say. 
Verse 1, chapter 1 again, he says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. So the author starts in, to identify himself. He doesn't give us his name, but a lot of scholars believe that this author who wrote this book was King Solomon. Why? Because he's identified himself as the son of David, the king of Israel. And Solomon was the son of David and became the king. And so we know that this author is or was Solomon. Just a little background on Solomon, who this guy was, for those of you that don't know. We read in 1 Kings that God in a dream comes before Solomon and says, Solomon, what do you want? I am going to grant you anything you desire. And Solomon says, I want discernment. I want to be able to rule properly. And God says, because you desired that, I'm going to give you wisdom. You're going to be the wisest man that ever lived. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you more cattle and more stuff than you can ever imagine. I'm going to give you power. And boy, did God do that to Solomon. He had all the wealth. Now, I did some investigation or some reading and it's believed that in today's economy, Solomon was worth $2.2 trillion. Now some of you are saying, okay, well there's a lot more rich trillionaires nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Solomon, Solomon had all the money. He had all the power. He controlled the world back then. He was it. And not only that, he also had 700 wives, and 300 concubines, a thousand wives. Imagine the marriage counseling. Wow. <laughs> but see, this guy, the king of Jerusalem, identifies himself as the preacher. Why does he do that? It's interesting. Now, a preacher stands and preaches before an assembly. Assembly in Greek, it's ecclesia, where we get our church. The ecclesia, the, the, the assembly. And so this book is named Ecclesiastes. And he's preaching, he's professing to the assembly. And what he's going to do, as we're going to see through this book, he's going to go back and tell us how to live our lives in a godly manner. He goes on in verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now this word vanity, we're going to hear it quite often in this book. As a matter of fact, it is probably shown 38 times. And we have five of the times here in the first or the second verse of Ecclesiastes. Vanity, what does it mean? It literally means vapor. In Hebrew, it's pronounced habel. Can you say that with me? Habel. Vapor, meaningless, worthless. It evaporates, and he's saying, life is vanity. All is vanity. And he says it over and over again just to prove his. Point. In this life, nothing has meaning. Vanity. Verse 3. 
what does a man gain? What does a man profit? What does a man have to show for himself by all the toil which, is, which he toils under the sun. Here's another term we're going to hear quite often. Under the sun. If you have your Bibles, underline that, those words. Under the sun. What is Solomon saying to us here? He is saying on earth, on an earthly perspective, everything is vanity. On an earthly perspective, everything that man works for is of no value. There is no profit under the sun. Vanity of vanities. Everything we do is all vanities. That's how the preacher starts his book. Everything, all the work we do is vanity. And now he's going to go, for the next verses, he's going to go and prove his case. Why he feels and he knows that everything under the sun is vanity, of no use. Habel, vapor. And he's going to say two things to defend his case. He's going to say, in this life, nothing changes. And in this life, nothing is new. In this life, everything is routine. It's kind of boring. And in this life, nothing is new. We wake up, we live, we work, we go to sleep day after day, and then we die. Nothing is new. All is same old, same old. So let's see what he has to say about nothing changing here on earth under the sun. He says this in verse 4. A generation goes and a generation comes. But the earth, he says, the earth remains forever. He is saying, look, we're born and then we die. And same thing over and over again. A generation comes up and a generation goes. But the earth, the earth keeps on doing the same thing over and over and over again. And he goes on and says this in verse 5, he says, the sun rises and the sun goes down. It hastens to the place where it rises. Nothing Nothing changes. It goes up, it comes down. We wake up, we go to sleep. How boring is that? What is the meaning of that? Same old, same old. He continues, verse 6, the wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around, around goes a wind on its circuits. The wind returns. Const constantly blowing, never finding a spot. The wind just goes and goes. For what? What purpose? Nothing changes. He continues in verse 7. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, they, there they flow again. The, even the water, the oceans, the streams, they do the same thing over and over again. And you don't see anything different. The ocean never overflows. Routine. Nothing changes over and over and over again. It's all vanity. There's no meaning behind that. That's what the preacher is saying. What is the purpose? Same thing. And now he's going to proclaim that nothing, nothing is new. 
Nothing is new. Nothing changes under the sun. Nothing is new under the sun. Verse 8, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What is Solomon saying? He's saying this, nothing is new. A man will always be unsatisfied no matter what. It has always been that way. Think about it. Genesis, we hear in creation that God tells Adam and Eve, you could have anything you want, anything except that. But man was not satisfied. No, I want that. And here we are. And Solomon is saying, no matter what, man will never be satisfied. Always wanting something else, a better thing, a bigger thing, a greater thing. Nothing new in that. It has always been like that and it always will be like that. And he goes on. Nothing, nothing is new. He says this in verse 9. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new, there it is again, under the sun. It's very important. He's talking about a perspective here on earth. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. Now, some of you are thinking, well, technology is new. No, no. Technology is an improvement of something old. Well, my trials are new. No. Your trials are just different than other people before your trials. Nothing is new. History repeats itself. Nothing, Solomon is saying, under the sun is new. Nothing changes. Nothing is new. What is the meaning? It is all vanity. It is all meaningless. It is all havel. Vapor. But he doesn't stop there. He keeps on encouraging us and says this. Verse 11. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after. Let me summarize this really encouraging uh, words we just heard. This is what Solomon the preacher is saying. Okay. We are born. We live our lives doing the same old, same old boring thing. We work hard. At the end of our lives, we look back. Nothing to show for what we did. Nothing new. Nothing changes. And then we die. And then no one remembers us. We're forgotten. Whew. I guarantee Joel Olstein will never preach on this. Just saying that right now. Because you came this morning wanting to come out pumped. Mm -mm, this isn't it. But this is God's word. And God's word is true. Now I wonder, now wonder with me for just a little bit. I wonder when the apostles were sitting, as we read in the gospels, in the upper room. And Jesus had just been crucified Friday night. And they're all huddled up. They're all scared. And they're probably thinking, what happened? And I imagine that Peter stands up because we know Peter's always opening up his mouth just like me. Guys, you know what I just remembered? 
that we read what the preacher told us in our Hebrew Bible over 400 years ago, that the preacher said that nothing changes, that nothing was new. He was right. And they're probably shaking their, or scratching their heads saying, wait, wait, wait. So Jesus, our Messiah, who is now dead, lied to us? And Peter was saying, probably, man. Because Jesus told me, and you heard it, that he was going to come and make everything new. But that thing's new. Jesus told me, and you guys heard it, that he was going to come and establish a new covenant. He's dead. Jesus told us if we followed him, we would have eternal life. And he is in the tomb. Man, Solomon was right. The preacher warned us. But here's the thing. The apostles, if they had this conversation, had it before the resurrection. Because three days later, everything changed. Everything changed. No longer were they scared. No longer were they huddled up. They went out. They understood from a different perspective. See, when Jesus resurrects you, everything changes. Everything is new. And that's what Solomon was saying. On this earth, with this purpose, if we're chasing things under the sun, vanity. But when we turn our perspective to him, everything is new and everything is changes. Everything. Here's my sermon point for you guys. And this is what I want you to remember as you walk out these doors. Nothing changes. Nothing is new. That is true. That's what we just read. Unless... Unless Christ regenerates you. Remember that. Same old, same old, under the sun. Unless there's a resurrection that only Christ can do in you and in me. Then everything changes. Trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believing that he died for your sins. And he rose again on the third day. And that was it. Then you are a new creation. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Christ, everything changes. See, under the sun, as the preacher tells us, you toil, you work, and you gain nothing. But in Christ, church, in Christ, you gain everything. And that's why Paul writes in Philippians 3.8, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, all things under the sun, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Church, in Christ everything changes because under the sun all remains the same. But when you're a new creation in Christ, a sunrise, a sunset, it is amazing. You wonder at what God has done as he spoke the world into creation. I love sitting outside on Sundays and I look at the sunset and I bring my wife, look, look, look. Every sunrise and every sunset is new in Christ. And that's why the psalmist writes in Psalm 104, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. Church in Christ, everything is new. See, under the sun, you will never be satisfied. Pursuing things of this world will never satisfy you. And you will be chasing 
after the wind. All will be vanity and you will be tired. But in Christ, in Christ, everything is new because in him you will be satisfied and you will have rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Under the sun you are born, you die, and you are forgotten. But in Christ, in Christ, you have eternal life and you're never forgotten. And I love the promise of Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even those, even the woman, even a mother can forget. But God says, I, I will never forget you. Change the perspective. And then you see. And then you see that everything changes. So let me close by asking you, what is your purpose? What is your perspective? If your purpose, if your value is under the sun, S-U-N, then everything is Havel. Vanity, meaningless. But if your purpose, if your perspective is for the Son, S-O-N, then everything changes. Church, as we walk out these doors, let's leave never forgetting what, what I believe the preacher is telling you and me. Never forget. That nothing changes. That nothing is new. Unless Christ regenerates you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. That you just didn't leave us here. Ultimately to be destined to hell. Something that everybody deserves. But Father, because of your mercy, because of your love. And not forget, because you are a just God. You sent your son to pay the punishment that we deserved. And because of him, everything is changed. Everything is new. Father, I pray if anyone has not experienced that regeneration that resurrection that only Christ can give them that they do so, Father, so they can experience the joy, the satisfaction that only you can give them, Father. And Father, for those of us that have received your Son as their Lord and Savior, will you help us change our perspective? To change the meaning of our lives. Because nothing on this earth that we chase or pursue will ever satisfy us. Only your son can and only your son will. Let us turn our hearts to you. We pray these things in his name. Amen. I love you, church. Thank you.